0: Just get an excavator. It's free. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, just get it to smash down your dumpster. Three dumpsters, you smash them down, you pay for the excavator. The way Josh Glover thinks sometimes, when you think about it, it's true.
1: Have you been looking for a business podcast with hosts and guests who don't have a stick up their ass? Yeah, I said it. Damn! Well, if so, welcome to your new home, brother. Brother. This is My Fence Life. Woo! Our three passions are beer, bourbon, and business. And probably in that order. We're bringing on business owners who share tips, tricks, and behind-the-scenes stories to help your business be more successful. And we drink during the show. So no matter what industry you're in, pop a cold one and come on in. Welcome to the My Fence Life Studio.
0: Yo, what's up, Fence Lifers? How y'all doing tonight, man? We got a great show ahead for you tonight. We've got a guest that's gonna, uh, like I always say, kick ass and take names, right? So, season five, episode 14. Tonight's show, we're gonna give y'all some insider tips on money, financing, Google Ads, marketing. It's gonna be a bunch of great information. Guys, don't forget we are going live using StreamYard. And before leaving a comment, please go to StreamYard.com forward slash Facebook. Don't be that guy in the comments that says Facebook user. Please don't be that guy. And, guys, you know we're live all over the place. We're on, like, three or four different Facebook pages right now, live, YouTube, LinkedIn. We're all over the place. We're like the uh, Joe Everest's uh, stepson over here we're trying to be like Joe. So um, let me introduce my guest for y'all, man. This guy is amazing. He grew up in Kentucky. He worked in the underground coal mines for 10 years. He's a husband and father of four kids, three boys. One of them's a girl. You've probably seen that precious little girl all over Facebook doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And he uses her to, I guess, get his old lady mad because he's always buying her stuff. He shouldn't be buying her. He was raised in a town with a population of about 500 people, which pretty much explains this next one. This cat's got eight siblings five sisters, three brothers. I mean, what else is there to do in a town of 500 people except make babies, right? He started his first business at 22. Uh, he's currently the president of four different businesses. Now, might I add that first business he started failed terrib- terrib- terribly. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, he's currently the president of four different businesses. He's the owner of two other businesses. So this cat is freaking busy. He used to work 12 to 16 hour days, seven days a week in the mining industry. Then he decided to get into the fence business and said, this will be easy. No. Then he started working 16 to 24 hours a day, eight days a week to get his fence company off the ground. So, you know, he's dedicated and he'll do whatever it takes He loves helping people grow and empowering them to succeed. And he's passionate about the fence industry and the people in it. So, guys, let's go ahead and bring on our uh, D&D guest of the night.
1: All right, fence lifers. Get ready for your shut it. Badass hinge guest brought to you by D&D Technology. Creator of the Magna Latch. If it doesn't say badass, it ain't D and
0: D. Oh, what's up, man? <laughs>
2: Can we take a minute to talk about how badass those hinges
0: are? <clears throat> yeah. You um, talk you're talking about the badass? Yeah, the
2: the D and D mentioned, those are uh, those are awesome hinges. Um we use them like on any of our gates that are over like I think five foot. We just we sell them the badass hinges, and then we tell the customer like, hey, you know, we're gonna put you some badass hinges on there, and they look at you funny. We're like, no, that's 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 really the name. Yeah, and that, they live up. Yeah. That's why they're
0: called badass because they are freaking badass, man. um Well, we got we got my girl Jamie Pratt in here, a good friend of mine off of LinkedIn. What's up, Jamie? Nick Reich Reich Reels. Did y'all see uh, Reich Reels today? He put out a new reel uh we got uh a facebook user noah devines here from uh youtube what's up noah susan k Worley. hey y'all got guys all over dan wheeler trying to get in on my show get out of here man my boy josh and uh benji man we got all kinds of people in here rob noble let's go so man i'm, I'm looking at this this deal you sent me this little bio bio and i'm like dude you're the president of four companies what is that Miss Defense of florida Triple S Ventures, JRG Leasing, and Olympus Fence Supply, right?
2: Yeah, technically, Mr. Gates in there, too, but it's a TVA.
0: Okay. And what are the two other businesses that you own?
2: Um, Triple S Ventures is a real estate company. Um, It started out as a holding company that we've done other things with. Um, And then JRG Leasing started out as just a leasing company to lease back equipment to the fence company and then you know i found other things to do with it as well and then uh, olympus fence supply is kind of a teaser it's something we're working on right now that's probably hopefully going to be a big deal
0: oh really that sounds uh enticing you can't tell us a little more
2: Uh, i mean it's going to be a big deal for us it started with covid like during covid we we had issues with uh, the with suppliers, just like everybody else did. Uh-huh. Um, seemed like every other week, we were, you know this person was out of this material, and we were constant like we we're promoting one product, um, and then we can no longer get that. So now we have to switch, and then you got to redo all of your marketing, and then you got to inform the customer, "Hey, we're not going to install the product that we sold you." So we started out with the Olympus fence line, um, just as a, a private line for. Mr. Fence of Florida, and we have private labels for all our different types of aluminum and vinyl and even chain link fences um, and our style of wood fences. So, like, if we tell you that we're going to sell you um, an, an Aries fence, um, which is uh, it's an aluminum fence. Uh, no, it's a, that's a vinyl fence. We sell you an Aries fence. <laughs> I'm sorry, this am sorry. Then, like, we write the specs on so aries fence can be whatever we can build it however we want to build it and buy it from wherever we want to buy it from um and it just makes it easy now i don't have to change our marketing ever again on the website the brochures or
0: whatever it's always going to be the same you're not having a oh i can't get this product so now i got to go buy another product now my brochures yeah. aren't working because my brochures don't have the right information on it right
2: yeah that, well, and that was a pain that was we I mean, all dealt with in COVID, and I'm sure a lot of people have similar stories where, you know, you told your customers you're going to sell them X, Y, and Z, and you talked it up and talked about what a great product it is, um, and then you couldn't get it, and you're like, oh, well, actually, we're going to sell you this this product instead.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, what's nice about what you're doing now, I'm, I might be reaching here, but you tell me, if you're writing the specs and have the material. If you can get an h o a to accept those specs, then everybody's gotta buy your product
2: uh yeah, some of that too.
0: yeah, so that's kinda of like going, um, you know what, here's my own stuff, y'all take this on, and now every fence company in town's gotta to come buy your Olympic stuff because of your specs, so I think that's pretty yeah,
2: like, you're like um. Like we we do a lot of retail sales now, and it continues to pick up. But as local fence companies come and buy stuff from us, like we we even so, went so far. We're not done with this yet. We're actually working on it right now with Benji on some new updated brochures to promote that product as the Olympus fence product that we were not handing um, our competitors. Like you can't give them a brochure that says Mr. Fence on it, and expect them to go show it to their customers. Right, but we can when I said the Olympus fence on it, it's got the same thing and you let them use it to sell it. And like, um, worked out pretty good.
0: So you're working with the old Benjinator over at Cleverfox.online? Clever. online.
2: Yeah. We love working with Benji. We've worked with him on a, a couple of projects. Um, uh, when it comes to like tangible marketing things like brochures and things like that.
0: Yeah. He does a great <laughs> job for us too, man. So quick question. Are you going to fence tech this year?
2: Yeah. There's only two Finch shows a year. Like, And a lot of people say you don't have time or you don't have the funds or you can't spend the money. I actually um, talked about that while I was in Vegas at the uh, um, Las Vegas Finch Show FWA is It's two Finch shows a year. And people are like, oh, I can't afford uh, to go or I don't have the time. And the reality is you can't afford not to go. You can get to see all the new products and be on the cutting edge. And to meet and greet and build relationships in the industry and things like that so yeah, yeah man definitely
0: the connections are unreal you, you can't pass that networking up the people that I met that I mean I was just on the phone today with a guy that I met and um, you know it, it the networking is insane but look guys I'm gonna be there Monday January 22nd to Friday January 26th is Fence Tech 2024 located at Music City Center in Smashville Tennessee is what we're calling it and uh, you can go to AmericanFenceAssociation.com and click on ev- events and find it, right? <clears throat> so, Josh, you know, man, we got three rules to the show, beer, bourbon, and business. So y'all kick back, have a beer, drink a little bourbon. We're going to get into some business, man. we got a great, great lineup for you tonight. Um, Josh, i have always picking your brain about things and hitting you up. And something, you know, we did a little... Um, a little survey on Facebook and we're like, Hey, what do y'all want to hear Josh Glover talk about? And everybody went in there and started voting. So we kind of compiled some of the things that people voted for and some of the things people didn't vote for. And we're going to, we're going to pick your brain tonight, man. Are you ready?
2: Yeah, let's go.
0: Did you eat your Wheaties? You good to go?
2: <laughs> I got up at like four o'clock this morning and I've had a crazy day and it's, um, Typically, like the second Wednesday of every month, we have our, our company managers meeting, uh, and it was a short one today. It only lasted about four and a half hours. So four and a half.
0: Uh, that explains yeah. that explains why you but weren't that, answering my text.
2: I, yeah, I, it was my phone was blowing up. because was you and several other people, and uh, you know, typically when there's meetings, we turn our phones upside down because it's a focus for. One day a month, you know, for anywhere from four to seven hours sometimes on, you know, how the company's performing. we look at all the KPIs and, you know, mm-hmm. what the market's doing. And we, uh, we all talk about it and make suggestions and adjustments and ready, set for the next 30 days and then do it again.
0: I hear you, man. Tackle those goals. So look, man, my first question is, I want to talk to you about utilizing financing for, uh, purchasing items for the company. Okay and for for your customers you know so can you explain to us the concept of utilizing financing to finance customers and what the key benefits for your business are for offering financing
2: um there's a lot of different things to take in account when it comes to that um, number one uh, understanding understanding money and cash and where it's best suited in your business Uh, and then number two looking at options like you've always got financing the equipment through uh, the vendor you can do financing on equipment lines with your your bank Um, you can do uh, lease terms with leasing companies and you can of course always pay cash for it so what i like to do if i'm looking at a piece of equipment that we need for the company the first way I look at it is always from a financing standpoint, uh, or at least a depreciation standpoint. And what I mean by that is, if you if you buy a piece of equipment that's sixty thousand dollars, right, it's going to depreciate at a thousand dollars a month. So you have to ask yourself: Is that piece of equipment? Let's you set up on a five-year depreciation, not a three. You have to ask yourself: Number one, is that piece of equipment going to last five years? And number two is it going to produce more than the cost of the equipment? So anytime you're looking at adding a piece of equipment to your organization, it should always be predicated based on on the cost of that equipment long-term and then what that equipment is actually going to produce. Like, is it going to make you more efficient? Is that how it's going to pay for itself? Is it going to uh, allow you to buy extrusions in bulk and then manufacture your own post or cut out your own post like a vinyl router or... Is it going to make your cruise more efficient by loading the truck like a fork truck? Like you gotta look at indirect savings and obviously things that are directly producing cash flow. So anyways, you look at that first and you say, you know, does this company really need this piece of equipment? Um, And if you're looking at financing, you have to consider your DTI, debt-to-income ratio as well, because healthy companies, banks don't like to see more than like a one to three ratio um right but you know if if you if you can afford it and you know my rule of thumb is we we never want our debt to exceed our accounts receivable inventory just a personal preference i realize not everybody does that but uh, if you're going to push stop on your company right now like is there enough liquid assets to pay off your debt is one of the things i always look at and you can't do that in the beginning but as you grow and get a little more stable you can. So the people that are hearing me see that say that right now and then looking at their balance sheet thinking, Oh crap, um if you're a newer company, that's you know sometimes expected. If you're not a newer company and your debt exceeds your accounts receivable and your inventory or your 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 assets you could turn into cash flows really quickly, then that's something that I would look at. So but anyways if you think about all those things, then you think, Okay, the options I have available are financing. What is the interest rate on this piece of equipment right is there zero percent available that's very attractive number one because you don't have to worry about accounting for it it's just real easy the payment every month goes to the balance sheet um uh, number two you can look at leasing and you know leasing companies are different they have to charge you uh like in florida i think it's up to seven percent service tax to lease the equipment so The equipment company is getting, or leasing company is getting paid interest, plus you're getting charged 7%, which is normally more expensive than just financing it yourself, right? Because the leasing company is going to run the same credit report that your finance company is. And if you can't get a good rate on your finance company, you're more than likely not going to get a good rate on the leasing company. Sometimes you can, but there's a general rule of thumb you can. And then you've got the cash option, which before, like a year ago, cash was the best idea because... Cash it didn't really cash was cheap. You could borrow money on a line of credit for three point seven five percent or three point I think it's three point two five at a period of time. Right. Um. And now we're at what nine like percent is it current
0: um, prime rate? Right? Yeah, I think it's nine.
2: So that that cash, if you kept it, right, and you know you're not into a line of credit, but Say so you're not into a line of credit. There's always a, well, what if I get into a line of credit? Well, then that cash is going to cost you 9%. So if you can finance it at 6% or 7%, what if I think it's like going right on most equipment right now. We bought a, a lull through JCB like a month ago, and it had a, it was like a crazy low finance rate. And I opted to finance that rather than pay cash for it, even though we had the cash to do it. Because if I paid cash for it, then I wouldn't be able to utilize that cash to do other things. It would be tied up on a piece of equipment. So it really is a balancing act and every piece of equipment you should be looked at, or you should look at it in detail and then balance all of those options versus where your company is at financially and whether it's a good fit for you. Um, and that's going to be hard to do if you don't have experience doing that or you don't have somebody to coach you through it. But in a nutshell, that's that's what I do and what I look at whenever we go to find a piece of equipment or buy a piece of equipment. We don't lease much anymore. Well, we do, but if we lease it, we lease it from my leasing company because why not?
0: Right. Pay yourself that 7%. Uh,
2: well, I mean, you got to pay it to the state. Um, but, you know, when, when you have multiple companies like that, like, uh, you know, you're, you're – it's like a service company, you know, it's always a good idea to have a leasing company and a, a real estate company because your real estate company can hold to your, your property and then your leasing company holds your uh, equipment. Um, and then you you, you always have the situation where like companies could loan each other money um, and then you don't, you don't pay any interest on that. So you're basically keeping all of your money in these it's like juggle
0: sometimes. Uh, yeah. So I know whenever I look at buying a piece of equipment, we look at the ROI on the investment. We compare the financing terms like you're talking about. And then we make sure that our financing aligns with, you know, the expected lifespan of that equipment. So we we do all that whenever we buy stuff. Now, thankfully, I haven't bought any equipment or trucks or anything since March of last year. I've been laying low. But we really need to get a uh, a mini skidster. And then I heard today you got like three or four of those suckers right now, right?
2: Yeah, we love those. Um, they're very valuable pieces of equipment.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, so let me ask you this. Can you share some examples of situations where financing for your businesses, equipment, etc., has been particularly effective? Like... What is something you're like, man, that was a great deal. I financed it. That that piece of equipment's ROI has been through the roof, and it was the best decision I made to finance.
2: Um, production trucks are always a, a good go-to for that when you know, financing because if you're putting on a production truck, you know, my rule of thumb is each truck should produce about you know, roughly a million dollars a year. Anywhere from 800,000 to 1.2 million, but as a rule of thumb, I like to say like million to you. So, if you can put it on a production truck and then have the people trained to put in there, then then that piece of equipment is obviously going to pay for itself as long as you have the work for it and the market will support it. And a lot of times, you know, I'll talk to people that they have a, a brief influx in their market. Like, oh, we need to go add a crew. I'm like, no that is not what you, the first thing you do is raise your prices and see if that's sustainable. And if it is, um, and you want to do that you can, but ideally raising your prices before putting on the truck is always the best option.
0: Yeah. So uh-huh. but you and I were talking about that when it comes to closing rates and stuff, as your closing rate, uh, gets so high instead of adding a crew, you need to go ahead and raise your prices. And then see if your closing rate goes down and gets back to a certain point. And if you're still able to maintain with those crews, then you can, you're can. you good to rock and roll. You're not adding all this overhead. And you're making yeah. more money.
2: Yeah, I think most people who experience the business will, will tell you that. It's not It's not well, going out and adding another crew and getting as big as you can, as fast as you can. It's not always the best decision. It's typically not the best decision, actually, unless you're... New into a market and you're providing a good product, and you've just got room to grow, like the market's wide open. But you know, ideally, production trucks, um, you know, you could typically get pretty good interest rates on those, um, and (coughs) financing those over five years with depreciation, you're not going to end up upside down. But what I'm talking about, you, you don't want any yard ornaments sitting around unless it's an excavator. I'm a big fan of excavators because I I've told several people over the years that an excavator will literally, literally pay for itself just by smashing down a dumpster. And you go get a mid-sized excavator and finance it. And you know, what's the payment like $750 a month or something on a, you know, like a mini X. But if it's smashing down the dumpster and you're getting twice as much in it and it costs $250, or $350, whatever it is to get the dumpster dumped. And you save from dumping it twice a month. Well, it just paid
0: for itself, and you also get the benefit of utilizing
2: enough job sites.
0: So. Yeah, Cannon told me. Told told me. Yeah, Cannon told me. You told told me that he was like, "Dude, just get an excavator. It's free." And Cannon was like, "What?" It's like, "Yeah, just get it. Just smash down your dumpster. Three dumpsters. You smash them down. You pay for the excavator."
2: And yeah, it, it's real.
0: Yeah, I remember when he told me that. I was like, "This dude, the way the way Josh Glover thinks, sometimes, you know." But when you think about it, it's true, man. You know, you're yeah. paying two fifty to three hundred dollars a dump. If you can smash that down and get half, even half more in there than what you were getting, you know, every two dumpsters you got a free dump. It pays the It pays the bill. You know.
2: Yeah. Other than that, like bigger. Like skid steers, I'm a, I'm a big fan of financing skid steers because I think the last patent we bought, we financed it at like 2.9 percent or 1.9 percent or something like that. And I mean, you can't, you probably can't do that right now, but you know, there's 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 a cost associated with money, whether it being like money you have sitting in your account. Like right now, if you got money sitting in your account, uh, if you've got a like a any kind of special checking account, or if you put it into a money market account. You're gonna make more than five percent off your money just sitting there. so if you can make five percent off your money and you only get charged you know back in like say three point seven five then it makes sense to fight uh, you can't really do that anymore because now the financing rates you know banks try to keep those to the where they're not locked up. But- yeah
0: yeah so. Something else we've been talking about, you and I. We've been talking about managing our credit lines with our vendors. Um, What are some key considerations when managing a credit line with vendors? And how can businesses maintain a good relationship with those vendors while, you know, managing those credit lines and being uh, competitive with them? Because most people think, oh, this is my credit line and that's it. But, you know, I've been learning some things that... I can do to help my credit lines. And one, I did one of them today. You know, I, uh, I called up uh, Steven's pipe. I said, Hey man, my, my binds up 600% from last year. You know, what are we going to do about this? I need a more of a credit line. I don't need y'all calling me every two weeks saying I got to pay off my 30 day credit line. We need to raise my credit, you know, so they they raised my credit line which makes it nice. It'll help me in the long run, obviously, but just by knowing your numbers and knowing how to talk to these guys, you can get them to do what you want them to do in certain situations, especially if you pay on time and you've never had any bad write-offs with them. They'll, they'll talk, you know, they'll talk with you. Yeah. Um,
2: that's number one. That's the most important thing is pay your bills on time. Um, don't do don't make any significant purchases if you're not in a position to pay your bills before, like we pay all of our bills seven days before the due date. That way it allows plenty of time for it to get there. And like, there's no questions that there's that. I actually just placed a pretty large order with an aluminum supplier and it's larger than, you know, what we typically buy from them. And uh, they were like, Hey, you know, this exceeds your credit line. I just want to get a commitment that you can, you're going to pay these within 30 days. And I was like, listen, We've paid all of our bills within 30 days, like the entire time we've had a relationship with you. But if you're looking for a yes, then yes, we will pay it. As a matter of fact, I could pay them all today if you want to. But you just you want to establish that relationship, not be late. This uh, industry is is it's like has a status quo about late paying being acceptable, and vendors are um, very aware of that, obviously. Mm. Uh, so somebody that always slow pays they're going to have a hard time extending you credits um, because they're financing. They're basically your finance company. And you get a vendor, like some of the vendors out there where if you're over 30 days, I think that they'll charge you like 1.5% interest or something like that. But that's step one is number one, pay bills on time and build a good relationship with that vendor. Number two, I mean, if you want larger credit limits, then you should stay like, working with mm-hmm. one specific vendor as much as possible because when you split it out over several different vendors, then now you have lower credit lines at all of them, which is going to affect your overall credit. But most people don't know there's a thing out there called a paydex score on Dun and Bad Street that a lot of these uh, vendors and credit people will look at and it's it's for your company. The company has its own credit score. Um, and they will report to it. Some of them will, some of them won't. Some of them you have to sign up with Dunn and Bradford to get them to um, to get to report to it. But you know, that's the biggest thing is just building the relationship out of the gate, paying your bills on time. You can't like order ten thousand dollars worth of material every month for eleven months, and then all of a sudden, hey, you know, I want you to send me a hundred grand worth of stuff. Like, what would you do if that was your stuff?
0: Right, you know, right.
2: Be like, I mean,
0: Well, you know, it's funny you brought up the Dunn & Bradstreet number. You know, Google's going to where if you're going to want to have a Google listing, you're going to have to have a Dunn & Bradstreet number. Did you know that?
2: I would love that.
0: Yeah. Too many Google listings out there anyway. Yeah. So, let's see, man. Are there any specific strategies for negotiating favorable credit terms with vendors when purchasing their products? I will say this. We did a big uh, we did a big school job for a school uh, Keel France here in, in my hometown and uh, I didn't realize this but master Halco has a deal where if you've got a job job quote like that they'll drop ship on the job and they'll give you that line of credit that doesn't affect your normal line of credit so you can continue to run business now granted some paperwork and stuff you got to do right? and the GC's got to sign-off on it. But, you know, say you order $30,000, $50,000 worth of aluminum for that job, they'll drop ship it, and that credit line will be separate from your normal credit line so you can continue to do normal business. And as you get the job done, they're in tune with the, uh, the GC on whether or not you're getting paid so they can get paid, which that is a great way to utilize uh, your credit line and utilize your vendor. Have you ever done that before? josh
2: uh, we did about years ago that's it's called a job account and sometimes we still utilize it like if it makes sense like we know a jobs going to take a long period of time or we're working with a gc that slow pays obviously cash costs money right so if you know somebody's gonna um slow pay you and you can get a job account that doesn't cost you any money and you get that extra 30 days then it's a good tool to have and to understand but most most vendors um will do that um I know we've utilized it with Master Alcohol and Merch, and I think Stevens at some point. And the reason that they like to do that is because they, once they get all the information, they actually attach themselves to the bond. So if for some reason, the general contractor doesn't pay you, then they can go after that bond for payment. So actually, affords you more protection if you do it on larger jobs.
0: Yeah, because the vendor knows, hey, the GC's not paying, or. They know exactly what's going on. They're not just taking your word for what's happening and why you're not paying. Yeah. You know? So, uh, do you have any other
2: and I'm pretty sure that that's gotta be like Mark Olson or Alan Olson.
0: <laughs> about yeah, we got a Facebook user that said, uh, tell Josh iPhones are best. Facebook user, go to streamyard.com forward slash Facebook. Allow it to see your name so we know who the hell you is. Right? <laughs> so, uh, what are the potential risks of mismanaging vendor credit lines and how can that be avoided?
2: It's not most people go bankrupt or their businesses go under because, you know, when you get access to that credit, and it's real easy to over-order or, you know, get stuff that you normally wouldn't have. And, you know, it's all good as long as sales are going up. But then when sales goes down um, and you've got a decreased deposit and things like that, what happens to most companies is you uh, you start slow paying your vendors, right? Because you don't have the cash to pay them on the time. You've got to make payroll and all these other things. So that's the first nail in the coffin uh, for companies that go under. And then typically – after that, you know, they, they slow pay the vendors, the vendors notice it and they like, Hey, um, we're going to put you on COD, Right. Right. Uh, especially like it goes, starts going 60 days. And what does that do I mean, now? You, now you can't get any more material until you pay the like $50,000 back. You know what I mean?
0: Right. Um, right.
2: you're in that position. So now you don't, you don't have the money to buy more materials to keep your crews working. And then now you're in the position of potentially missing a payroll, uh, which is the worst thing that you can do because, you know, you miss a payroll regardless of how loyal people are. They've got to feed their families. And if they feel insecure in their job, they're going to leave. Yeah, so
0: you start getting all these strained relationships and then you got late fees coming in and now your supply chain is being disrupted. And then the next thing to go is going to be the guys that are out there working, producing.
2: Yeah. Now wh- I will say that most of the vendors in the fence industry, um, I, I know of people that they have worked with that have gotten in those positions and, you know, they, they just, you know, keep supplying them because the vendor knows what happens if they can't get material to keep putting fences.
0: They're never um, going to get but, paid.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they, they work with them. Um, and then the, the couple of people I know that have been in that situation, like, uh, Vendors aren't just gonna be like, hey, you're you're on COD. Like they're gonna try and communicate with you and ask what's going on. And you know, if your response is, hey, we took on these big jobs and we got all this material, we haven't been paid yet. Uh, as soon as we get the money in, we'll pay you. Like they can work with that. Or if you say, Hey, you know, we just had really bad sales and our cash flow isn't great right now, we're trying to get collect accounts receivable then that's fine, as long as you communicate but if a vendor's like trying to get a hold of you for payment and you just don't answer them then that's how you can get in a pickle really fast
0: yeah yeah i definitely agree with that man so um how do you how do you balance the use of your vendor credit with other forms of financing to optimize cash flow so i guess what i'm trying to say is is have you ever Utilized your credit lines with your vendors to optimize your cash flow, because you might need it somewhere else. But you know you wait because, like I know, doing some commercial work and you're doing big commercial jobs, right? You're doing like military bases and all that stuff. Um, you might get strung out for longer than you than you think. Something might come up, some whatever the case might be. How do you how do you deal with that, man? To hold on to your cash flow to make sure that you can still do payroll and all that stuff and work with your vendors. Is there a certain way that you deal with that?
2: Um, yeah, there's a couple of different ways. Um, and it, it's easy I mean, it's easier now because we've got a significant line of credit and then we use um, like the American express plump card. And we also have a corporate account with American express and there's, there's all kind of options out there, but one of my favorite ones to create money that doesn't cost you any money is that if you get into a, a bind and you're like going to pay a vendor late and you don't have the cash to pay them or you're running short on cash flow and you just don't want to pay them with cash um the american express plum is great for that but there are another at least two uh, large suppliers in the industry that don't charge you a credit card they got online portals where you can go in and pay your bills right and pay it with a Plum card, and then a Plum card affords you to um, stretch it out 30 or 60 days with no interest, right? So, mm-hmm. if you're going to a vendor that pays, supplies you a $100,000 credit line and then a Plum card that you could stretch out 60 days, well, then basically you can borrow $100,000 for 90 days with no interest. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's a good decision to do, even if you have the cash or even if you have the money on your line of credit. Why would you pull it from the line of credit? When you could utilize those two methods for 90 days and not pay any interest on it that's, that's a big deal
0: yeah that plump card is a nice little golden nugget to know about you know um you don't have the cash to pay you extend it for 30 days and no no interest That's through American Express, guys. We got somebody in the comments. It's a Facebook user. It says, do you guys use standard lines of credit through your bank or use companies like Blue Tape for material financing? Um, I have a lot of credit with my bank. Um, I don't have any other companies that I have lines of credit through. What about you, uh, Josh? I'm sure you do, huh?
2: We use a, a line of credit with the bank and then, you know, basically the Amex is how we do everything. I also have a line of credit with Amex, but I've, I've never used it. It's just, it's nice to have it set up in case I ever need it. And then we we typically um, always have funds available on our line of credit at the banks. You know, every once in a while, we'll max it out for like a month if we're making a big move or investing in something. But then, you know, the goal is to pay it back down as quickly as possible after can do that. Um, and if you can't then whatever you invested in was not a good investment so but yeah <laughs> liquidity especially over the next 18 months are going to be huge uh, not just for defense companies but everybody so um, having you know as many trade lines and credit lines and good relationships set up and maintaining good payment uh, vendors or good payment history with your vendors is imperative like i will pay my vendors before i pay myself is the way I look at it. Because if you don't, then you know, they're not going to be as apt to wanna like they've got bills to pay too. They're running a business as well. We don't like it when people slow pay us and they don't like it when people slow pay them. They understand it happens. Um, and then unfortunately, you know, as fence company owners we deal with that um obviously on accounts receivable all the time. Especially with uh Commercial jobs and occasional residential customers, or at least for the last couple of years, seem to pay very well. Wow. We haven't had much bad debt at all with residential
0: customers. Yeah, I haven't had, uh, knock on wood, right? <laughs> I haven't had a single residential customer uh, issue this year. You know, last year I got stuck for a little bit, but, you know, I mean.
2: Because died. Huh? I, like, I got stuck with one last year because the got died. What do you do there? Yeah, really? Yeah, I went to the door because he wasn't responding to emails or anything else. And this teenage boy entered the door, and I was like, hey, you know, is so so-and-so available, i like to talk to him. And he was like, uh, no, sir, he's passed away about a month ago. I'm like, shit. <laughs> How
0: do you handle that?
2: We just wrote it off. Like, we talked about in the office about things we could do. We could put a lien on the house and all this other stuff. And it was only like $4,900. And I was like... Uh, I'm not. I'm not going after the assets of a dead guy over forty nine hundred
0: dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we did a job. It was like uh, a little over twenty grand. Lady didn't pay three thousand of it, you know. And what do you do? Do you? It's three thousand dollars, man. By the time you fight it and do all, you're gonna lose all that. Just write it off. You all know, I
2: talk to people so much, either on the phone or on defense professionals not work elsewhere people are all the time on there hey, you know so and so didn't pay me what do i do about this and I, I used to be in the same position and i get it when you're when you're short on cash flow like that's you've already done the work you want the money and so on and so forth but you know sometime about two years ago uh, when we started using job members we set up the automations and we have a, a financial board to where after a job it, like reaches a certain point they start getting automations that's saying, hey, you know, we need your payment. You know, if not, we're going to have to file an intent to lien on your house. And then after so many days, we'll actually file the lien. And then when we get closer to that, we're like, hey, also, if you don't pay it, we're going to turn this over to collections and it's going to get reported to all three credit bureaus. Like, if you don't pay us for a it's going to ruin your credit. But it, it works. Like, if since we started doing that, we had very little people that don't pay.
0: Like, um, yeah, we're, we're real fortunate, man. We don't have that problem. So
2: hold uh, on. My, my point with that is that a lot of people get stressed out about it. You spend you spend a lot of time talking about it, like how to get the money, and then you're you're upset, you're stressed out, you're stressed out of work, you're stressed out around your friends and family. You want to go kick somebody's ass because they didn't do what they said they. It's not, especially you know, fifteen hundred, three thousand dollars. It's not worth it. Uh, I would rather focus that same time and energy on what we're going to do moving forward. I would rather focus that energy on the next job or how we're going to do it efficiently to make up for the A-hole that stiffest for whatever amount. And then um, then follow the proper procedures and everything like that. Because, you know, the other alternative is you can, you know, get into trouble with threatening and, you know, people take down gates stuff like that. And none of it's worth it. If you took all that time and energy and focused it on selling more fence or building more fence, You would literally make four times as much in the first month than what you're worried about, and you wouldn't have all the stress that goes with it.
0: Yeah. So have you ever heard of this company, Blue Tape, that they're talking about?
2: Blue Tape? I've read about it. I'm not sure if that's one that's just like a credit line or if that's one that, like, finances your accounts receivable. There are some business or financial institutions out there that will actually finance your account receivable, and, you know, loan you up to a certain amount of what your AR is. And then I think, I don't know how to do it. I don't want to be turning AR reports every month or if you're in your books or what. But, you know, at one time, four years ago, I was looking into stuff like that as an option because you know, rapid, rapid growth causes huge cash flow problems. You know, one thing, I tell a lot of people this, but one thing is people don't really Realize it's, it's really easy to, to, to say or to think about is if if you got a business that makes 10% net this year, right? And say that 10% net is $50,000. You made $50,000 at 10%. Uh, and then next year you grow your company by 50%, right? Well, now you need 50%. You need 40% above and beyond that 10%. For your accounts receivable and for your payroll and for your inventory and, and materials that you've ordered like really companies are limited to growth based on how much capital they have access to like mm-hmm. if you're only making 10 percent you shouldn't be growing by much more than 10 percent year over year if you are then that capital has to come from elsewhere it has to come from you you take on an investor um you borrow the money like there's the capital has to come from somewhere
0: yeah, it costs money to grow. You know, I, I see these guys, all they're talking about is, I want to grow, I want to grow, I want to grow, I want to grow. And it's like, man, do you know what it costs to grow? You know? I mean, yeah. you, you might want to grow, uh, but... I, I didn't know about
2: in the beginning, and, uh, you know, people don't realize that You can have a successful company, and you can have a successful and profitable company. And if you try to grow it too fast, you can still go bankrupt. You can go bankrupt with a successful Profitable company. Yeah. Doesn't make
0: like much this, but it's true. Yeah. So, man, I got one more thing I want to talk to you about. We might have to zoom through this. Utilizing Google Ads for business marketing. I hear all the time people talking about how are you getting business? How are you getting leads? Are you using Angie's list? Are you doing this? Are you doing that? And um, come to find out a lot of those guys aren't using Google ads and I don't know how I would live without Google ads. What about you?
2: Um, it's definitely a tool in the arsenal of marketing. Um, you got Google ads, Google lower ser- local service ads, Facebook ads. Um, the Pinterest just came out with a thing where you can start out running ads on Pinterest. Um, you can do ads on Hulu. You can do ads wherever it gets the most, um, traction for you. But the reality of it is, is, you need to track those ROIs and see what works best in your market, because what works good for me here might not work for you there. Like I can tell you that I'm, I'm doing this with Google ads and getting, you know, a specific cost per click or cost per lead or cost per conversion. Okay. Um, but you've got different competitors in your market and you've got more or less competitors and different pricing structures and different amounts. Well, people are willing to spend on bids. So all of it's relative, um, and you have to monitor the, uh, the ROI of the cost and versus reward on each one of them, and then make a decision on what's working best for you at that point in time. Like, and it's not the same all year long. Like Google Ads, you can you can spend a lot of money on Google Ads, um, with if all of your competitors are trying to get more work at the same time, and all of you guys are bidding against each other to get those to win that off right when that happens and we start like our costs start climbing way up a lot of times i'll turn it back or just shut it off and then move those funds over to facebook or move those funds elsewhere um to try and get a better roi on it but it's not a one size fits all and there's there is a lot of learning to do about marketing and paid ads management Um, along with SEO and all this other stuff. And my suggestion to everybody that's watching this, it's in the fence industry, is you would not hire a plumber to come do your, your electrical work. You're not a marketing person. You're a fence person. If you want to invest in marketing, then hire somebody that is good at marketing. If you want to invest in paid ads, hire somebody that is good at managing paid ads because you can throw money at it all day long. Um, and if you're, you know, the business owner, owner, the decision maker, you're not going to put as much effort in it and you're not going to know as much about what you're looking at as somebody that does it full time every day for multiple different companies. And even has a team of people working behind them. So, um, I learned all that stuff in the beginning, um, just because I I didn't know that there was people available to do it for you or, or, I knew one person in the beginning but he's got a bad name defense industry nobody likes him anymore uh, he disappeared.
0: Remember scott Andreessen. Scott Andreessen. Uh, yeah i still bring uh, uh-huh. i still bring his yeah. name up every once in a while so uh, yeah man so uh you know what i've learned with uh with google ads and stuff is is you've got to pay attention to your ROI on that, and how do you how do you do your ROI on that? Well, every time a customer calls Fence King, we literally are like, "Hey, how'd you hear about us? Oh, Google. Oh, my salesman. Oh, you know, I did one of your online uh, deals." So we track all that, and then we track how many of those we actually close, and then we look at our dollars spent, and are we getting our money in return on those things? So you've got to look at yeah, those heard- numbers
2: a beta version of job members for a couple months now and it it pulls all that for you. It'll tell you where your leads come from and give you graphs and accounts. And uh, we used to track it externally on a sales sheet with lead trackers and you know we would manually enter the data, but now like when the phone rings, it's literally a drop down menu. How did you hear about us? And then you select one and then job member spits out all the reports. it's also, since we have it synced to QuickBooks, uh, now it's spitting out reports for our our accounts receivable and AR and all this other fancy stuff. I was just showing that today, and I was like, dang, that's going to be very valuable.
0: Yeah, yeah. So we have all uh, all our, our different lead sources. So when we're setting up a customer, hey, how did you hear about us? Oh, we saw the sign out in front of the office. Oh, we saw your highway sign. Oh, we saw your billboard. Oh, we saw... Your truck, whatever it might be, and I can literally tell you how many leads I got from every single source, you know. So it's important; it really is. So anyway, man, shoot, we we're, we're almost at like fifty minutes, bro. We try to keep these things short now. Remember back in the day, we used to go like an hour and a half.
2: I, th- I think most of the ones I've been on with you have been, like, two hours.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there was a lot of alcohol involved, a lot of cutting up, a lot of kidding, a lot of good times, uh, man.
2: Tequila that I brought back with me when we went on vacation to South America from the Mines. Really? Um, I'm not going to right now because it's really strong.
0: <laughs> I'm going to have to check that out, man. Well, look, guys, y'all don't forget a U.S. Hammer tour. Uh, powered by MidAmericaFenceSupply.com, your driving solution for all things driven. Uh, Go to MidAmericaFenceSupply.com and get all your driven stuff. And, guys, don't forget, uh, let's see, this Wednesday, shoot, next Wednesday, October 18th to Friday, October 20th, NAFSCAS Finch Training School and their Arlington Cemetery Project in Washington, D.C. And then next on the list is we got AFA University. Monday, November sixth to Friday, November tenth, in Arlington, Texas, aka Dallas-Fort Worth area. Josh, are you going to be at AFAU?
2: Um, I don't think I am this year, but uh, we're looking at sending a few people.
0: Yeah, I fly in uh, midday on Wednesday. Dan Wheeler is going to be there teaching uh, how to do wood fence. So I'm going to go out there and be a heckler and uh, give him a hard yeah. time, man. <laughs> But uh, they got a lot of stuff going on: fence contractor school, fence installation school, gate automation school, sales training school, all that good stuff. And then we got January twenty-second to January twenty-sixth, Fence Tech uh, Music City Center in Nashville, Tennessee. And don't forget, guys, we've got expert staining seals uh free university in alexandria tennessee wednesday february 7th to sat i'm sorry i got this wrong it's thursday february 8th and friday february 9th i'm looking at my itinerary and then man we gotta have you ever been to the afa's regional show for the northeast have you ever been up there for that
2: No, I haven't. Are what's it
0: called? It's Um, called the uh, AFA's Northeast Regional Trade Show and Education Seminars in Mystic, Connecticut. Well, I haven't been. I know there's an AFA
2: event up there, but I think it's like every two years.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. So what happens is they have the jackpot one that the uh, up at Atlantic City that I think the the Jersey chapter or whatever that's called, the the garden chapter or something like that. And then um, they do it one year. Then the next year, the Northeast uh, um, chapter does their regional trade show. And then they flip-flop. That's why it's every two years in Atlantic City. Yeah. So good stuff, man. Well, hey, guys, we appreciate you watching. Thanks, Josh, for all the great information, man. It's always awesome just to have you on i love having you on and uh fellas y'all keep on fencing we'll see you next week
1: you've been listening to my fence life yes we like to have fun beer bourbon and business and although we have fun